0: hi i'm austin lugo i'm andrew harp this is with nothing to say
1: let's talk about camera buff
0: before we get into this week's film next week going to be watching starship troopers we've talked about verhoeven probably more than we've ever talked about any director on our after show we talk about him i guess so. all of the time we talk about him a lot <laughs> he's you know
1: he's still alive he made a lot of movies he's one of my favorite directors We're big fans. Um, I love Total Recall.
0: RoboCop's great.
1: I've seen a lot of his movies. Not a lot of his earlier stuff, but pretty much everything in his 80s, 90s. Um, You know, he made science fiction movies. He's made, like, period pieces. He's made, of course, action movies. He's made kind of, like, erotic thrillers. I love him.
0: I'm excited. I'm ready. You've talked about this movie a lot. So I, have? I feel it. Was, have I really? Yes. Do you not realize how much you've talked about this movie? When was the last time I talked about it? Last time we talked about verhoeven so four weeks ago.
1: Maybe I. I guess I mentioned it. Like I guess I. I mean I love the movie. I've seen it many times. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's really funny. And you know the movie too. Like um recently, um on, twit on X, the site formerly known as Twitter. um it um a lot of like um uh right-wing weirdos were uh tweeting about the movie recently and like uh, misunderstanding it um so you know even today the movie's like still uh for some reason uh baffles people um (laughs) even though i think it's a very clear very funny very interesting movie so yeah
0: i'm excited i'm pumped very hmm. different than uh, what we watched this week, which of course was, oh, I'm going to say his last name wrong. Is it, you say it. The Kieslowski? Kieslowski. Kieslowski. Yeah. Kieslowski's sure. film. Camera buff, which I'd only seen three colors, red, white, and blue. Have you seen anything from Kaislowski other than those films?
1: Um, no, I've seen some of his short films. Um, okay. But in terms of features, I think it was just that trilogy that I've seen so far, I think.
0: So there's something about that trilogy that film schools seem to really love. I mean, I'd seen it at every college I went to. They all showed it. I saw it when I went to NYU. I saw it when I went to Colorado Film School. And I saw it when I went to Butler. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. just something very academic about those films, which is interesting because camera buff to me... I think is better than any of those three films. But I love Camera Buff. I I mean I'll
1: I love it too. Yeah, I the... mean
0: the, the trilogy <laughs> like I think like
1: people like the trilogy and I think people like Camera Buff because I think like what like they're kind of like um they're kind of like referential right to like the history yeah. of like filmmaking and things like that. Um you know, making art, making films, stuff like that. Um but as like a single like film, as a single project, I do like I do prefer Camera Buff um personally.
0: Uh, <laughs> i love how this film begins where the only reason he becomes the camera person for this company right. is merely because he's the only one that owns a camera like they have no right. idea how a camera works he lives he's like, like oh because he, the lives, only one a, that has he lives
1: like in a little village in poland so like he's <laughs> the only um yeah he's the only person in the whole village that owns one
0: He's got this old school film camera. Even old school for then. I mean it's this ancient yeah, It's piece like of it's like an 8 millimeter technology. camera, yeah. <laughs> and he originally buys it because he wants to film his mm-hmm. daughter, daughter, right? It's not it's daughter. It's not son, daughter. It's his daughter. Daughter. Okay. Yeah. He wants to film the life of his daughter as I'm sure every parent wants to do for their child, but the moment he buys the camera, immediately everyone constantly wants to be shot. Everyone wants to be on camera, and I think it's interesting. It's like we're at this moment in time. It's a very specific picture of how the world saw cameras, and <laughs> I guess because at least in terms of like, uh, weird...
1: like at least in terms of like Poland in this point in time, like late seventies yeah, communist Poland, Poland yeah.
0: There's this weird disconnect where whenever they ask them to film them doing something the last time they're just like standing around as if it's just taking a picture. They seem very confused by the whole concept of a camera and how a camera works.
1: I don't think they're confused. I think they're just um they just they they are it, it, they're not used to it, right like yeah. it, it's not something it's not cameras are everywhere now. Right, like the the, the I image. think that's
0: part of like yeah, yeah, that's why there's this weird disconnect when watching it now. Not that it isn't a great experience, but just because the camera is particularly the video camera is so ubiquitous. I mean, my kids spend all day watching videos that it's very strange to imagine a moment in history yeah. where it wasn't ubiquitous. Even though the camera's expensive a where buying enough cameras. cameras are expensive. Are expensive, right? yeah. Cinema was a thing and people will go see movies and stuff, but right. the fact <laughs> that anyone can make a movie at this point in time seems Very strange. I guess it's kind of like watching a movie back during the early ages of home computer. And it's so ubiquitous now. So there's this weird, it's strange. It's a weird experience. It's almost surreal as if we're traveling to this other universe. And I know for most of human history, we didn't have these kind of things, but it's just so common. And I spend all day with kids who are just so well aware of everything being video in fact to the point which i think this film is a lot about is how we present ourselves on camera and how everyone in this film presents themselves on camera and sort of this idealization or the way a camera buff the cameraman the filmmaker shapes the story and shapes the truth and in that weird way it has this very visceral connection to the quote-unquote modern world. And I see this with my kids in the way that they see the world. I mean, they literally see the world through their phones. They think of everything as this clip, this video that needs to be taken and they shape their entire life around it. And so to see that yeah. Yeah. from this perspective is strange. I think
1: the subjects are one thing, but I think it really, I, I see where you're coming from, but I think you're, what you're saying, I think more has to do with like our main character um yeah. and how his life is quickly changed by what is essentially a curse he brings upon him and his family right after buying the camera like and there are like different lines and stuff throughout it where like like um when they come home with the baby or whatever and um and he's like, "Oh, I should have like filmed the baby as we were coming home." And then the wife is like, "No, no, it would have been a bad omen or something like that." Yeah. Uh, I think that's what she says, you know. Yeah, it, no, it's, that's exactly. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And he has this weird obsession. Maybe it's not a weird obsession, but it's certainly an obsession with recreating these moments. I mean, at that moment, I, he asks her to rewalk into the room. He's he directing.
1: He's, he's, he's a director. He's right? directing. He, he, <laughs> he, he,
0: he, yeah, it's it's it's
1: the movie is really about like. If like movies and filmmaking, watching and making movies are a bad or good thing, Um, and I think the I think it's sort of like a like this kind of this message. The movie is basically like this message saying that like it is a bad thing,
0: (laughs) which is a strange thing for a movie to to propose that the making of look, look.
1: You know, look. Here's what I'll say. You know, I think like I think look. You know, we, we we come on here every single week and we're like, I love movies. You know, movies are great. Yeah. They're fun to talk about, they're fun to watch. I think it's great and all that. But look, you know, books like anything else... Well, sorry, not books, but, you know, I guess like books would be like an example of that. Like books, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, of all kinds of different genres. Um, but movies, you know, they have their limitations and they have their negative... I think they have their negatives. You know, I don't think that... I don't think, you know, movies just because, you know, we love them a lot means that they are, like, the art form in general, the idea of it um, is necessarily um, completely forbidden from criticism. Um, (laughs) um, You know, especially if you're looking at it from, like, the realm of, like, obsession. Um, You know, the main character, as they talk about in the beginning of the movie, he's got it all. You know, like, he's fine. He's totally fine. But then, like this thing kind of lands in his lap and he has to pursue it. You know, it, it's like a second nature to him. And you can look at that at positively like, oh, he's like a guy who's, you know, really found what he was meant to do. You know, went to he was meant to be a filmmaker, but he's like miserable. <laughs> he, he's like, he he's stop. sad. He can't it's, stop it's as doing if it's it.
0: Some sort of weird addiction that yeah. he has no control over.
1: And it's like, yeah, it's like simultaneously the coolest thing in the world, but it's also the worst thing in the world because you're kind of like living kind of like this passive existence, right?
0: Yeah. Watching uh, or making movies either way. Through, I mean, he even does that thing you know, right, you see yeah. do, where he holds his fingers up and the first time he does it, it's as if he's discovering how we could look at it and looking at the world through <laughs> the lens of a camera but he's like on the
1: train he's like looking outside at the nature beautiful nature yeah but, it but then it becomes
0: yeah. only how do i capture this on film and what will this tell everything Film, how will all this of your make experiences, a better film yeah
1: like things are now kind of like you're kind of like i guess you could say like looking through like the lens of like you're looking at the world differently all of a sudden you know you're not looking at it for what it is you're looking at it in a way of like well how can i film it how can i um capture it um I like that line where the guy asks like what are you filming and he's like oh anything that moves and like Mm -hmm. if you live your life like that all the time I mean you're gonna start to I don't know I think like I think it kind of creates a person that is kind of I think writers too like this happens to like you know writers and stuff of like novels and things like that um you know you kind of like if you look at the world like that like um, it kind of creates this, this, um, mindset in which you are, or, um, I don't know. I think it just kind of like puts a strain on your relationships as it does in this movie.
0: Yeah. You're no longer part of this world or no longer experience this world. You are this outsider who is trying to capture the world. And I think novelist is a great example because often writers get trapped in, their own sort of philosophies or ideas of the world, and everything has to become a story. Everything has to become part of that, and you see this too with, in a weird but but similar way, uh, the, the strange world of YouTube, which we're kind of part of now, which is strange and weird. I don't use YouTube anymore. You don't use you? I use YouTube a ton. And I was talking to Brandon because I didn't think I don't watch any of. I don't watch younger any generation. Anymore. I didn't think younger generations do, but my students—they love YouTube. They'll watch YouTube Shorts, they watch videos on YouTube. I mean, their entire existence is YouTube.
1: I just like—I think it's like—I think it's now—I think it's moved past me. I still use YouTube a lot, but I use it usually yeah. use it for like, <laughs> like um, like watching like a, like a Bob Dylan live set or something. You know, like something oh, yeah. specific like that. <laughs>
0: I'm completely like uninterested. Like something an old person would use YouTube
1: for. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm completely <laughs> uninterested in vloggers. I'm completely in, uninterested in video essays. I'm I'm very mm-hmm. uninterested in basically all of that stuff. i um, reviews too. Sometimes I'll like there are certain reviews and YouTubers who review things that like I might like check in on, but yeah. every year, every passing year, I feel myself like just gravitate farther and farther away from the people that make like videos for YouTube because. I just find it so simplistic and just completely. Mm. I don't know. I just don't like it at all anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of downsides to it and the way it it works in the world. But Emily watches a lot of vloggers, and I used to be really into a couple of vloggers, particularly people like Casey Neistat, you know, because I was just fascinated <laughs> by that type of storytelling. Because it's a really, yeah, you know, Casey Neistat.
1: You know, Casey Neistat was like an early producer for Safety Brothers movies.
0: Yeah, he's like close friends with the Safety like, Brothers. Like, yeah, he would he like worked for with a long them. time. Like,
1: like, people make yeah. fun of him, but like, I think without him, like, the Safety Brothers probably wouldn't be as, like, what crazy as they are. It is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. That definitely kind of like makes you, like, look at him a little bit differently. Um, Casey Neistat is like a good example of like a guy who, yeah, like, definitely took like the vlog thing to like its peak. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> And I guess when we think about YouTube, we don't... I mean, even though Casey Neistat is sort of like one of the big people of YouTube, particularly for a very specific moment in time, not so much anymore, he kind of changed the way vlogs were made. And even now, because Emily still watches a lot of (laughs) vlogs, I don't really watch vlogs the way I used to because I think it is a really interesting storytelling format. It's not really something that we had uh, before really YouTube in the video sense. Of course, we had in the written sense for blogs or even before that with journals and things like that. But it's just this really weird and interesting way to tell a story. And Emily still watches it all the time. And I understand why so many people hate vlogs because a lot of it is very lazy filmmaking. And these people seem kind of miserable because they capture every single moment of their life. That's what I'm saying. It just sounds terrible. And, and their life is just a mm-hmm. vlog, right? Every single thing that they do, they have to think about, well, wait a, wait a minute, how do I capture this into a vlog? How do I tell a story from this? And I've I made a vlog for almost three years. I did it almost every single day. But it wasn't and a job. It wasn't a job, but there is something about it. It definitely changes mm-hmm. the way you see the world. And in the, and part of the reason I stopped doing it, of course, I, I had other things going on in my life, but I think a big reason I stopped doing it was it made me a little miserable. Like just everything had to be, how am I going to turn yeah. this into a story? How am I going to shape this? I couldn't just enjoy a moment. I couldn't experience the world. Everything yeah. had to be seen through that lens. I love, and it was... yeah.
1: And, and it immediately <laughs> like affects that family, like immediately, like there's no like a ramp up. It's like immediately like yeah. a negative like thing that happens. Like I love the scene where he's like filming the baby like in the carrier, right? And then it kind of like yeah. falls a little bit. And the mother goes to try to help the baby because it's like kind of fallen, not not fallen, but like it kind of like it's like up, like shifts. it like shifts, yeah, yeah. And yeah. but Philip is like directing them. He's like, no, 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 like this is a beautiful moment. Like he's this saying is it's real. Like, because yeah, it's like a, or like a thing that has like 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 the shift um is like like he's directing it as if, um uh, uh like he thinks like he's filming like a moment that is real, that is sort of like uh, organic and it mm-hmm. is, but he's also directing everything too, right? Like he's directing her to do this or that. um, yeah. And she like makes a joke, like the baby fall off, fell off the uh, balcony. Would you also film that? You know,
0: <laughs> film like... that. that was a great joke. <laughs> Very
1: funny. Um, uh, yeah. Like he, he's, he's, you know, it's, 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 he thinks that he's filming like these, like, um, these, you know beautiful moments of his baby and his family and stuff like that but he's like kind of still like in control so it's not really like these kind of like organic moments that are happening that he's capturing um
0: yeah yeah there's this strange and this is what I've seen all of koski's films that I've seen this Polish depression almost uh, almost communistic plan-ness. no yeah they they
1: live like in this like yeah so like in they live in like late seventies Poland and the (laughs) fact, the village that they live in, it's kind of nice. Like it's not actually like, it it looks very barren and gray and and very brutalist kind of communist, uh, kind of classic look to everything. Um, but you know, everybody seems to like each other, you know what I mean? It's probably like a chill village to live in. And yeah.
0: And I love too, that, because he's the camera buff, the factory hires him to right. make films, and it's clear that he has this natural talent for it. He just he's a, he's for some reason eye. there's something about him. He has an eye, yeah, for for making films, and so the so then there's this dichotomy where the factory wants him to make a specific type of film, and that's this is like the first quarter maybe even half of the film is specifically making that first film for the factory.
1: You mean about the anniversary?
0: About the anniversary. Yeah. And, and the way in which he wants to show real life. He he wants to capture the real moment, you know, filming people going to the bathroom and that sort of thing.
1: Pigeons and on the windowsill.
0: Pigeons on the windowsill. And of course our <laughs> head of the factory guy is just. He tries to censor. Very concerned with. Yeah capturing exactly what you would want like you go to any fortune 500 company they want something very specific for their anniversary right, thing. yeah <laughs> and it just baffles the mind of our protagonist here you just can't like imagine and, and i think it's the way he sees film because and the way they see film in this piece is sort of film for commodity's sake so film to sort of entertainment versus the film's that he's trying to make the capturing of life, look, even they're, though they're, they're trying to Ralph reflect reality. Yeah. But that's
1: still, they're still like, that's still, he's still shaping it. Yeah. you Yeah, exactly. Like even when you're trying to reflect reality in a movie, a documentary, whatever it is, like it, it still is like, there's like the limitations are still there. Like the limit, it'll never be able to actually reflect how it really is. Um, yeah. Yeah, whether you're uh, trying to film nature or a person or, a, you know, a person's life or you know, it's just like it's just never gonna it's just not really always gonna be the same.
0: No, a film is a fun to fundamentally biased form of storytelling. I mean, yeah, the very it's, it's fact quite that exploitive you have to... as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you see that a lot in this. I mean, the very fact that you have to pick a place to put that camera, even if you do nothing else, if you merely put a camera in one place, where you put that camera will bias the audience to how they experience that, even if everything yeah. else is exactly the same. it's and, and the fact that there is a camera in front of them, and we see that with the characters in this film, is the moment they are filmed, they immediately act differently. And of course, it's different than how we act in front of the camera. But... It's still the same thing, too, where we're sort of putting on this mask. It's this facade that we put on to try to be this person that we aren't really in. And you can see people getting uncomfortable and yeah. shifty and all these different ways of reacting to it. But it's because we're all trying to be something that we're not. And I think in real life, we can ignore it. I mean, it still happens. We're always putting on masks for whoever we're with. but. I think we're sort of exposed when it's in front of a camera, and we can see that mask that we're trying to hide behind.
1: I, I will say to kind of like combat your point, maybe a little bit. I agree with you, but also like I I gotta um I gotta uh, uh um I gotta agree with my man uh, Frederick Wiseman, who um <laughs> he doesn't really believe that he he said in interviews right. like he doesn't believe like in the idea that like when you put a camera in front of someone they act completely different um you know they act who they are they they are who they are you know and Mm -hmm. even if they're acting different like if they're nervous or they're anxious or they're this or that that's still them being who they are you know um and i think like the movie still like does a good job at that um you know when you put a camera in front of someone yeah they might a person might act differently but that still is who they are like i i love like the um the scene um that's it's like I'm saying it's still like reflects like a part of themselves mm-hmm. right and right. so like you have that scene right of uh of um his friend right the beautiful scene of his friend where he's driving the uh, hearse van the yeah, the like filming yeah. driving the hearse van you know <laughs> and he like goes outside and he's like ah and he films you know he films up to his mom who's like waving from like the window or whatever and then he like you know and he kind of like goes back and forth a little bit like you know that's his uh, friend you know his friend is fun. You know, his friend is like uh he's like, he's like proud of like his, like him of his van and of his mom. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's, he's, he's like a proud kind of like fun guy. He loves driving around, you know, it's like that. It's still kind of like a riff. And, and of course that goes back. Of course that, you know, that film that he shoots goes, um, into a, a very beautiful later scene, which is kind of like yeah. another sort of, I guess, Simultaneous defense and also a simultaneous, you know, positive slash negative, um, uh, I guess, result of like movie and filmmaking, um, when the mother dies.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the scenes that I think about a lot, particularly the, the scene where he's driving that hearse and we see the mother. And of course, they go back to that moment later. And It makes me think about how as you're saying, filmmaking has these two opposite ends that's sort of happening simultaneously, where it's shaping the world and it's shaping history and it can be false and it can be directed as it were. Yeah. But then also in a way that nothing else can, it can capture the past.
1: Yeah and the
0: things that happen. happened. And that was make, part of It, the can,
1: reason- it can bring our dead family members back to life
0: yeah and it made me you know i the the very first like feature-length documentary i shot was while i was at butler and it was for one of my final projects for one of my classes i can't remember it was a british literature class or something it was on Karl marx and so for that final project i filmed three generations of my own family and emily's family uh, who came from like different economic backgrounds and one of the people I filmed, which was ended up being about an hour-long conversation. I didn't use all of that. I think I only used like 10 or 15 minutes of it. But I, I filmed an hour-long conversation with my grandfather. And before I finished the feature, he actually passed away. Yeah. And it's it was the surrealist experience to be editing his footage. Uh, you know, this person that I saw two or three times a week. And I was very close with, with them. I saw them all the time. I saw them at every family gathering. He lived only a couple of miles away from where we lived and to be editing his footage, right. To, to literally be cutting out words that he's saying, uh, and he's not only what he's saying, but it was an interview of him telling like his life story. So telling him about what it was like for him to be a child and growing up and raising my parents and, it's, you know, in one sense, it was like a really amazing moment because you yeah. could sort of relive that and relive his life yeah. through that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I was going to say, yeah. you know, Kieslowski has a movie that is similar. Um, He, he has this great short film called Talking Heads in which mm-hmm. he talks to... Several um people of different ages, professions, and social statuses. He asked them like who they are and what they want from life. And so I yeah. think he talks to people as young as like a little kid up to like a hundred years old. And it's mm-hmm. just like people talking. You know what I mean? Like those people will live forever.
0: Yeah. It's cool. And you know, I I was lucky enough that I could release that to yeah. my family members first. And they got to see that, right? They got to see right. And you know, that was very valuable to them to be able to see you know their own father yeah in this light that they usually don't get to see him and, and of course the the thing about my grandfather is he was an incredible liar so he never told the truth a day in his life <laughs> and so in the documentary he sort of tells his quote unquote life story but most of it is completely made up wow but that's still like yeah yeah even <laughs> but it's, it's great like, like, right but yeah, it, it, as yeah. you say when you're on camera you're still even if you're um putting on a mask, in a way you're still exposing who you are, right? You can't h hi- yes. i guess like you're saying, you can't hide that. Yeah. And so you see that even though he attempts to hide even that you're through lying these incredible or to act stories. Like you're not. Yeah. yeah. Right? You you see you see him for who he is. Not a bad person. He was an incredible human being, but yeah. you 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 see the facade uh mm. for what it is. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and and I guess like, yeah, so you know in that moment, you know his mom dies right the the, the friend his mom dies, but he can't face mm-hmm. going to the funeral you know yeah, but he can watch the film right and that's kind of like I guess kind of like a, a, a like a little like moment where you know I there's like a negative and positive to that moment because on one hand, like we're talking about it's amazing that you know he has this film of his mother that was kind of shot offhandedly like they weren't you know yeah. um and it's like, wow, I have my, I can watch it again and again. Like if I, if I miss my mom, I can watch the film, but he didn't go to the funeral, you know, like he wasn't able to like go and actually like, you know, like be there near his mother's actual body uh, yeah. and say goodbye to her. And so it kind of, it's kind of like this passive thing where it's like, you're kind of like not there for the actual moment, you know, and instead you're going to like shut yourself in your room. Like he literally shuts himself in his room And instead Mm -hmm. wants to watch like the movie of his mother who is still alive. Like he's he's almost like not accepting it It, that, but that's just kind of like, again, you know, it's, it's beautiful, but it's also like maybe like a little bit um, dangerous, you know, because you don't want to live a a passive life. You still want to, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your loved, your loved ones, you know, they will die, you know, that's just like the fact of life. So, but either way, you know, either way you look at it it's extraordinarily interesting. And that's really just only like one part of the movie, you know, <laughs> that, like the part that we just talked about is probably like takes up about like what, like 10, 15 minutes of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and not, not to be an incredibly dead horse, but <laughs> what's also interesting about that moment is it's perhaps the most impactful film that he makes. And that's the film where yeah. he has the least amount of control. I mean, it's, it's, it's the moment true. where he, he doesn't direct it. He doesn't do anything. He's just there, right? He's just there with yeah, his camera. It's beautiful. His first experience. And yeah, all the other stuff, which everyone talks about, oh, how beautiful it is and you know how touching it is and <laughs> how I have to leave the room. They they don't have that same impact, even though they are <clears throat> cinematically better films. There's something more valuable about that much more raw experience of just putting a camera and just shooting that scene that seems meaningless yeah yeah and you know i will say
1: his other films are great too like with the dwarf right like the uh yeah. the worker who's been working there for 25 years in the factory who is a is a uh is is dwarf like a a politically correct way to say that they say that in the movie um, but i wasn't sure little, little person, person that- i think is more sorry <laughs> if not- that was the wrong uh, offensive uh, term. maybe offensive yeah i mean um yeah, I think like I think little person is like a more uh, nicer way of saying it. But yeah, you know, he, he's like a little person and stuff like that. And <clears throat> they make like a movie about him and stuff. And like the guy himself is like watching it and he has to leave. And he's like, I was so moved by it. Like and but that that's like him. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you know, again, like the movies just like, you know, they have the ability to like recontextualize everything. Right. Like mm-hmm. and like mute, like, we, like, you know when you're living your life you're just kind of like yep i'm living my life whatever it doesn't really you know whatever but then when you're like but when a film is made about your life and you're a talented filmmaker is able to come in and shoot it really beautifully and add you know music and you know uh you talking or whatever you know all of a sudden it it puts it in a completely different light um it, it transforms it um even if it's not even if you know you know, a trans- it can, you know, it can do the opposite, right? It can make your life look terrible. It can make your life look great.
0: Yeah. yeah it's something I talk about a lot with my creative writing students <laughs> is they're very good at, and they just are, are in their third week of this semester. So they're new to the craft of, of creative writing for a lot of them. I mean, of course, a bunch of them enjoy writing and they've done it in the past, But the thing that they're very good at is sort of the plot, the story that this happens and that happens and that happens. They're very good at that. They're very good at coming up with premises. But what they're struggling with and what we're working on in the class is that they miss all of the imagery. They can't tell me what a room looks like. They can't tell me what a forest looks like. They can't tell me these places. I mean, you'll read these stories and you don't know what a single character looks like. You don't know where any of these peoples are in space or time. And I tell them, you know, the reason you do this, it, it's completely conscious and it's how we experience the world. It's because we experience the world, not thinking about the rooms that we're in, the place that we're in, because you have there's to be perceptive. just deceptive. Exactly. And as a as a writer, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, you have to make that subconscious conscious. You have to pull sort of that stuff that you never look at, you never think about and move it to your conscious, but At the same time as we keep warning everybody, that's also a very dangerous place to be, because if you're always there, you're just going to be overwhelmed by it and you're not going to be able to actually experience the world. Right. And then when you read a book, but of course, you know, as like a reader or like, a
1: you know, if you're reading a a book or if you're watching a movie. You know, you have the revelation when you, you know, a great movie or a great book can give you that revelation of like, oh, wow, I didn't never really thought about it like that, or I never really thought of that, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's very effective, you know, for the watcher and the reader. Um, But again, like you said, whether, you know, writer, reader, watcher, filmmaker, uh, it can kind of create this sort of like passive existence where you're kind of like scrutinizing everything instead of like, you know, feeling it. Um, uh, So, you know, it's just kind of like that push and pull um yeah
0: yeah and this is a bit of of a non sequitur but <clears> the <throat> relationship between him and his wife which is also true in, in red white and Sucks. blue i don't know if if kowalski just had a terrible relationship with his partner or what's going on in his life but it is an absolutely <laughs> i'm sure it's, in it's, in I'm all, sure it's all slightly
1: autobiographical i'm sure it's slightly it has to be ever so slightly autobiographical um i mean i, I
0: think who who was it that said that it, it was a, a very famous filmmaker he said every film we make is autobiographical to some degree no matter how fantastical the film is it is a reflection of us mm-hmm. as filmmakers which i think is completely true i mean i think no matter how how fantastical a piece is or how out of this world is, when a filmmaker is able to make the film that they want to make, right? They're actually making their films, not controlled by studios and that sort of thing. I think it's very reflective of how that person experiences the world and how they see the world, their morals, their ethics. And yeah. so there's clearly something here where Kowalski had some sort of trauma. <laughs> I had to have some sort of trauma with his, his family or partner, or, or what have you that created all of these films where just the relationships between husbands and, and wives are just extremely toxic and and true, of course, here too, where these two people can just not yeah, well, be yeah. happy together.
1: No, it's just, well, it, it's not even like, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's totally fine. <laughs> Look, I like to think of like the beginning of the movie is a beautiful, because what happens is that he has a baby and he's hanging out with his friends and he's getting drunk and he's absolutely joyful about it. He's not thinking yeah. about filming or anything like that. No. He's totally enraptured by the moment. It's great acting. Like the Jersey Star, uh, the actor, yeah. he's so good when he's like crying and stuff like that and he's like drunk and stuff. Like he's he's completely, he's celebrating the birth of his daughter and he's completely wrapped in, he's completely just caught up in it. Really throughout the rest of the movie, he never has a moment like that again, right? Where he's yeah. completely enveloped in in happiness and 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 uh, he's so emotional, because um, again, you know, he's thinking about everything now through the filmmaking lens. And of course, you know, his relationship with his wife gets worse and worse and worse. It becomes more strained because he becomes more busy, distant. Um, he starts. He develops a crush on that one woman too, and he's like calling her and stuff. Um, you know, he he becomes just. He also develops this um uh, a sudden, uh, I guess you could say, uh, self-importance, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm an important, I'm an award-winning filmmaker, <laughs> right? Like I, this is what I was meant to do. Uh, you know, I don't want a quiet. Like, he suddenly, he suddenly says, you know, I don't want a quiet life anymore. Um, and she's like, well, I do. You know, we want different things, so therefore, we should not be together anymore.
0: Which makes sense, and it makes me think of the real arc of our character here. And I like, really like they point out that at the very beginning of the film, when he's celebrating the birth of his daughter, he is in that moment and he completely he's experiences enraptured. that moment. Just It literally enraptured in, in that experience. And the whole film is him growing more and more distant, not only from his wife and his daughter and his place of work and his friends, but just existence in and of itself to mm-hmm. the point that when we get to the end of the piece, I mean, he's literally... He's shooting right, himself, yeah. shooting himself. So he's even he's taking another step back. It's like, right? we're even for, we're so far away from our own experience that you have to you cannot even experience life at all mm-hmm. without you literally having to film yourself. You can't experience your own existence yeah. without it being
1: filmed. Yeah this movie has so many things going on it's kind of hard to like talk about them all right like like <laughs> he goes to the film festival you know he he he. you know he has like the movie studio right like and it gets like more and more uh uh he, he like more and more people like start working for it and stuff like yeah. it becomes like a full-fledged movie studio <laughs> like you know they have that filmmaker come and visit them that guy's a real filmmaker by the way like in real life like he's really? a real polish filmmaker who's directed oh, like that's cool. i think a has said he directed like 90 movies or something like that Holy um <laughs> so he's like a very like like a famous polish filmmaker guy um yeah and yeah like it, it's just it's just like you know the movie has a lot to say about kind of like the time period you know the culture um you know film technology um you know censorship like i don't know there's a lot going on obviously like the big thing of course is kind of you know filmmaking and watching movies you know watching and making movies like are they good are they bad you know uh there's a there's good there's good uh cases and evidence in the movie to um believe
0: um, either point (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's i guess this as we said before uh, addiction that you have to walk this very fine line of when is a film something that we're creating for others and when does it become this thing that we utilize as a crutch and self-importance, as you point out, from our protagonist where he suddenly thinks that he is the be-all, end-all. And the problem is the world kind of reflects that because he, at first he, he doesn't believe he's anything, right? He's just making films to make films. And then someone tells him he's good at it. He's a, he's a natural. Yeah. And then he buys into that. Yeah. And, and then it and, it goes down that yeah. rabbit hole.
1: And you know he like meets with the the filmmaker too when um he goes like he sees a film and then the filmmaker does like a Q and A and then he along with other people start to like add like 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 talking about film philosophically, you know, mm-hmm. like talking about it like through the lens of like criticism and 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 things like that. Um you know he starts to kind of have this sort of um uh you know he starts to think of it, think of it more i guess like academically you could say um although yeah. i do like that line when he's like at the tv station and that guy who looks like he looks like a he looks like a combination of martin scorsese and stanley kubrick right <laughs> like the 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 filmmaker the artist quote unquote he's there like bothering this the the tv producer he leaves and then the tv producer tells uh philip our main character like you don't fancy yourself an artist do you i I'm a, i suppose you consider yourself an artist and he's like uh no no i don't and he's like okay good <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> i i love too how it there's this very real reflection of of the whole studio making process in that our factory sort of person is as if like the studio head yeah. and then the guy who funds him is sort of his producer and they play these different roles and he kind of plays off of how these different roles interact with each other, like a, like a movie studio, even though of course that's not,
1: I think like the, the guy, he's like, I think uh, when they meet, when Philip meets with the, uh, that one filmmaker, uh, the famous filmmaker, he tells him like, yeah, our director, you know, the director of the factory, he has to approve all of our scripts and stuff like that. And then filmmakers like, Oh, well, you know, everybody has to approve, you know, well, there's somebody's there's somebody always having to approve a script or something
0: like that. It's like, yeah, that's (laughs) a good point. Yeah. (laughs) yeah so many incredible moments like that and I always feel a little self-conscious as a I mean we're not really film critics I mean people listen to us talk about movies on end for some reason and and they kind of talk about this in the, in the film sort of this idea of of what film criticism is and and how it fits into this world and i think film criticism can very quickly become this dangerous thing where people become so concerned with the ideas That the critics have and they're philosophizing that we sort of miss the point of of making the movies and themselves and it's this dangerous place that you don't ever want to be in. And I think sometimes that happens with a lot of movies where, or, or the way people experience movies. I mean, I talk to my kids, they'll talk about a movie as if they have seen it. Just because they saw a review from someone that they trust or they like, even though they have no interest in seeing the movie and will never go see the movie. And yet they feel as if they have experienced that film and will talk as if they have seen the film and in their minds, they have seen that film as if they, they don't even need to experience the film itself. This sort of secondary relation of the film is all you need. And you don't actually need to see the film itself. It's, it's a very strange world. And I mean, we've been on both sides of that as filmmakers and critics and it's, I don't know i mean i think at a certain time in my life i i hated film critics it was like you know either you make movies or you don't make movies like there's no in between but but then like as, as an academic we, we study films and we talk about films and i think that's valuable i don't know i think <laughs> it's valuable i think it's cool. i think it's yeah.
1: overall very value valuable because at least like kind of you know um you know, legitimizes, like, I guess, like, the importance, whether it be a negative or positive uh, uh, effect of, like, films and movies. I think it's, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important art form of the past, like, you know, uh, century. Um, so, you know, you know, I, I think film criticism, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, film criticism is, is, I think it depends on where you're getting your film criticism from, to be honest, uh, whether it be from a video essay, <laughs> Or a um uh, an amazingly written like Jonathan Rosenbaum you know piece out of the Chicago Reader, you know uh those two things are completely different um I, uh, uh and you know not I'm not like talking down at anyone or anything like that, but you know it just you know you know depends on where you you know, and I think too, like you know a good film film criticism, it's not meant to be like definitive. It's not meant to be this thing where you're supposed to agree or not. It's simply another perspective to look at. Um, mm-hmm. and then you can watch the movie yourself and de- and you know, you can decide for yourself.
0: yeah, well, I, I think that is a perfect place to to wrap up this <laughs> <Okay. piece. laughs> So all right. for all of you, uh... Go, go watch this film but we'll, yeah, we'll give great. our final thoughts first and then yeah, you can mean, all go watch yeah i mean that's i don't know you
1: it, it's it's you know one thing you know i didn't mention is that you know it's really funny you know it's a really funny film yes. um, i think anybody who you know enjoys you know uh uh movies and filmmaking and stuff uh will really uh, find it really funny and uh impactful um you know really good acting um Looks great, you know, great locations, you know, just like a well-photographed movie through and through, really. There's nothing about it, uh, um, aesthetic-wise that I wouldn't change. It's great. Um, I don't know. I really loved it. You know, we, we could go on and on about the movie, uh, I think, yes. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about in terms of like what it's trying to discuss again, in terms of kind of like the evilness of filmmaking, you know, is it an evil thing to do? Is it an evil art form? Um, you know, can it create a passive existence? Can it destroy our relationships? Um, you know, and it, you know, and I think you know the movie posits that it can, but it also has its, you know, um, importance. It has its, you know, beauty. Um, and you know, and I, I love stuff like that. So you know, I'll, I'll give it a very, very strong nine out of ten.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything. That you're saying, and there's something very personable to me about this film. As, as someone who exists sort of in this world uh, as a would-be filmmaker and critic and all that silly sort of nonsense, and it makes me just turn inward and and look at my own life these past couple of years. Yeah, for from the time that I was 18 years old until really last year. When someone asked me what I did, I always told them I was a filmmaker because we own a production company, we do this, we make movies, that's who I was, that's who I am. And this last year I've been teaching at a school, and so lately when people ask what you do, I usually say I'm a teacher, even though I still do all those other things. And it's just... It's very... weird to experience that in, in this way i i guess because you have to ask yourself well wait a minute is it because am i a filmmaker because i love to make films and i see the world that way or am I a filmmaker because i want other people to see me as a filmmaker because if I present myself as a teacher, even if I if I still make films, it doesn't really matter if I present myself as a filmmaker or not. And this is something where he feels the need to identify himself as a filmmaker. He needs that to be his identity, who he is. And because of that, he sort of loses himself. And I think there's an obsession that I think is, is unique to the United States in which we identify ourselves by our profession. And that's who we are as a person. We are a journalist. We are a teacher. We are that and the other. And it is a big part of our lives. And this is something that I try to get across to my kids that you will spend 40 hours a week for the next 50 or so years doing this. So make sure the career you choose is one that you love. It is a giant part of your life, but it's not the only thing that identifies you. You don't just have to be A doctor for your whole life. You can be more than just a doctor. You can be a doctor and also love to play guitar, and you can do these other things. You don't just have to be this one thing. And that's sort of the downfall of our protagonist here. Is he is only this? He is only this filmmaker, and because of it, he loses everything that made him happy. He loses happiness itself for the quote-unquote sacrifice of art. But I think the film argues, and I think I could argue too, that art isn't worth all that. I think we put art on this pedestal that it's better than everything else and we idolize these people who sacrifice everything for their arts who literally sacrifice their lives for art but at the end of the day they are just movies they are just paintings they are just books and we should still want to be human we should still be part of this human existence so it very touching film very personal film for me I think I saw that at a point in my life where it just uh, it really hit home and, and beautiful and a film I'm excited to watch you know a thousand more times. So I, I too am going to give this film a very strong yeah. nine out of ten.
1: Uh huh.
0: All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can find everything I do at Austin Lugo.
1: I'm on Letterbox at Retro Andrew R E T R zero Andrew.
0: And you can find this podcast wherever your podcast. You guys on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at with nothing to say. And thank you all for listening.